0: you know, yes, we need to be guides for our kids. I like to look at it as modeling behavior for them and not trying to make them little versions of us. They need to be, they're they're their own souls. They're on their own journey. For us, they just happen to live in our house and we have a responsibility, but at the same time, this is their journey. And I really want them to make a lot of their own decisions and just to see what, what happens when they decide A versus B. And they, they get to take ownership over that. And when they do that, there's like an accountability to it versus me telling them what to do. You know, we never we never do a great job. Certainly you think of it in our adult life and we get advice from people, it's really hard for us to follow it unless it's something we feel deep in our, you know, kind of this is what I'm meant to be doing. And I think our kids feel pressure to do what we say because we're the boss of them and it's bullshit. You know, it doesn't create a relationship that I want to have with my kids. And I don't think it creates a relationship that they want to have with me.
1: What's up, listeners? I'm your host, Lindsay. Welcome back to another episode of Get Psyched. I'm sitting down with the host of The Great Unlearn, Cal Callahan, to talk all about conscious parenting. One of my favorite things about Cal is this concept of unlearning. All too often we think that to heal, we have to learn our patterns or learn a new way of thinking, learn all of these different things. And what Cal brings to the table is the idea that we're actually meant to unlearn all of the shit that society piles on top of us and all the shoulds that we put on ourselves. Today we tackle the topic of parenting, and I'm so inspired by what Cal has to offer. We talk all about causes versus symptoms, parenting and autonomy, and kids being our greatest teachers. Cal is so amazing. He asks questions, he leads with curiosity, he apologizes when he needs to, and sets such a great example and models for his children what it looks like to carve your own path in the world. I know I'm not anywhere near being a parent and I've got a great dog, but I hope that one day I can be half the parent that Cal has taught me in today's episode. As always, you know I was sitting down to today's show sipping on some salty, delicious element. So if you have yet to get your hands on my favorite hydration supplement, be sure to hit the link in the show notes. For just the cost of shipping, you will get a free sample pack of all of the delicious element flavors, and I can't wait to hear which one's your favorite. Until next week, enjoy the show. Callum, super, super excited to be sitting down with you. I know I have watched the great unlearn kind of start to unfold and I'm always so captivated and drawn into the guests that you have on your show. And it's my belief that that's a direct reflection of who you are and what you're putting out in the world and the conversations that you're willing to have. So I was so excited to, A, finally meet you in person back in October, and then that you were willing to come on and and share part of you and part of your story instead of always being the person hosting the story. So thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thanks, Lindsay. It's great to to have the opportunity to be here with you today, and it was awesome in October at you know Kelly and Connor's wedding to finally get to meet in person. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, and then we kind of lost the track, and we came back. So uh, the time is perfect. So yeah, it's great to be here.
1: Thank you so so much. For people that are not familiar with the Great Unlearn, can you just let people know what that is and and where we're kind of coming from before we dive into too much today?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The Great and Learns My Podcast, I launched it a couple of years ago, and it was my way to share. uh, I ended up sharing, you know, obviously part of my own journey of, whatever you want to call it, awakening and um, just kind of doing things differently. Uh, But I really wanted a platform to share, the meaningful connections and conversations I'd been having with a lot of people. Um, I'd been sharing them on a one-off basis with my friends. I met this person, they're doing this thing. It's super cool. I might try it. And it was like sparking a lot of interest in, you know, a lot of my guy friends in particular, because they were also searching maybe unknowingly that for, for something to be, different, knowing that, you know, the path they were on, it just, it didn't, it wasn't delivering uh, in a way that they maybe thought it would much like me, you know, I, uh, just to give people a little context, I was a trader in Chicago for almost 20 years. And listen, I, I, I was good at it. I made a lot of money. And thought that's what I had to do. I have a great marriage. I have three amazing kids. I have the life. And a little over four years ago, it just it it I could no longer deny that it wasn't the thing, and that it wasn't fulfilling. Um, and so I kind of went on this, uh, I guess, existential journey, like this deep inquiry of why am I here? because it's not for the things that I've been chasing my entire life. And it's really this idea of chasing it because you, you never quite get it. Right. Because the thing, the thing you're searching for is unattainable. And, um, you know, for me, it's, it's understand is, am I, is mine making that noise? Can you hear that come through?
1: Mm-mm.
0: I just had, okay. I just had a couple notifications, which I thought I shut off. Okay. My All apologies. Good. Yeah. So I, I started to reflect on my own life and just went deep into, honestly, it was like connecting with like, who am I? What, who am I with, without all the masks, without the former trader, the retired guy? um, You know, I'm in a fitness. So the guy who's you know in his mid 40s and really fit like whatever the the different ways that that I could hide like who am I if I took all those things away and so that journey is amazing but it's also terrifying because those are all these things that we hold on to and they become part of our, our identity totally i um, so so it's this process of like stripping away these things and, and getting to the core of who i am um so within that, again, I, I met just some amazing people and I, I thought the podcast would be a great way for me to share their medicine, their journey, their process of unlearning. How are they doing it differently than they were told, than society tells us, than our parents tell us? And it's not that society or our parents or you know mentors are wrong. It's just they're sharing what they know. And it kind of as I've gone deeper into this work, I feel like I've I've opened up new ways to do it for myself and I've tried to share that with people through the podcast.
1: Yeah, I had a very similar experience when I first launched this show. I was going through school and again that same kind of unlearned process. I was in a very hands-on experiential master's in counseling psychology program. So instead of being like, this is dance therapy. Let's read all the research about it. It was like, no, you're gonna do dance therapy for months, um, and so it was exactly that. Experiencing all of these different flavors that I didn't even know were on the menu, um, and getting to this place of I'm having the coolest conversations with people, and I wish that I could just have my friends be flies on the wall to hear it because. Yeah. It's- so nourishing to me and I'm not doing it justice when I'm trying to relay what yeah. I heard.
0: Yes. And yes.
1: I heard this, re- I was, uh, my partner's reading this book right now. And one of the passages said, uh, when you're in a group of people, you're a statement. And when you're by yourself, you're more of a question mark. And Mm. that felt very true to what you were just saying. You know, we have all of these societal pressures or, you know, kind of conditionings that make us think we have to have the really good paying job and the family and the this, and then we'll be happy. Um, And when you kind of get quiet, you have less of those statements to show to people. And it's like, who am I, what am I, Uh, Why, why am I here? So how did you start answering that question?
0: Well, I, you hit the nail on the head, and I, and I, I speak about it all the time on the podcast and, and, and really in in really in conversations as well. but it comes down to experiences. You have to have your own experience. Um, we've all had that uh, that moment of trying to explain something to somebody that we learned about but we don't know. We haven't had the experience. And when we get to speak on our own experience, there's a real truth to that. We have, our own connection to it so we can just speak from that it's not right or wrong but it's our version of our connection to that experience and we can learn a lot from reading books and listening to podcasts but it only gets us so far you have to do the thing and then you 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 get to have yeah your own perspective on it and so really and my life has really been about experiences. I'm 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 super curious, and um, I would say as a as a trader, I was really willing to take uh, risk. So that, you know, kind of coupling that together, I, I I'm just in like let's try it. And some of it's out there. Some of it's maybe a little dangerous. <laughs> to be fair, but I, I want to know. I, want to, I don't want to know about it. I want to know. Uh, and so that's been my process is to learn about things and then go experience them and to see if I want it to be a part of my life. And, and maybe it is a part of my life for a season, but I don't have to commit to this being who I am. And this is what I do. Like just letting go of all of that. Like I'm not a big drinker you know, for a while. And you know, I probably took eight years where I didn't drink. And there's an identity with that. And it becomes like an attachment to, you know, showing up this way. Now it's like, yeah, I'm, it's not my favorite thing. I'm not against it. I'll have a drink here and there. And in some seasons I drink more than others. And like, we it, it just like, I just understood the downside of attaching to any of these things. It's like, Mm. these are just some of the things that maybe I do and don't do, but they're not who I am.
1: So if someone were to turn that question into, okay, then who are you? Because I think so Mm. often the answer to that question is the things that we're attached to or the identities that we so deeply want to identify with or the persona that we want to show up in the world with. So when someone's then asking you that, what would your answer be?
0: I'm someone who's super curious and in a way that I maybe wasn't in the past as I've let go of my need to be right. And not that I don't still struggle with that. I do. But when I, when I come in with curiosity, I get to learn, I get to learn through other people's experiences, and then that maybe informs how I want to play. But I think first and foremost, I'm really curious. Um, I like to help people. I like to connect with people. I like to share the things that I'm doing that are helping me, or things that haven't helped me. But just I, I want to give that to other people to to maybe be a bridge into their own experiences with that. So I try to. You know, and I and I, and, you know, as a parent, I try to be really understanding and allow for my kids to make their quote unquote mistakes because I don't really think they're mistakes. I I think they need to have their own experience, and as I really tuned into that, probably a couple of years ago. I noticed my my entire relationship with each of my three kids just changed because I started to build this trust with them that I wasn't judging what they were doing. They weren't in trouble for something they did, but we we're going to try to learn from it, try to understand the why behind it and then move forward. But um, you know, I want them to be curious. I want them to come to me and ask me anything and know that I can handle it, no matter if it's my... You know, 15 year old son, well, he's 16 now, but who's super curious about psychedelics and listens to my podcast about it, listens to Kyle Kingsbury's podcast about it. And he's super curious. So, am I going to put on the old hat that I grew up with and you don't talk about that stuff and you're too young and sh- completely shut off that connection? Or am I? Going to open the space for him to learn from my experience, to read some of the books that I've read that have been great resources, but also say I do think you're too young for this. Um, but when the time is right, like I will, I will be there for you. Um, so just like keeping that dialogue really open and allowing them, as I said, to just be curious. Um, it's been amazing. There's, there's just again, it. My, I would say my, probably my ultimate goal as a parent is to build that trust, so that when the shit really hits the fan for them, when they're maybe feel like they're really fucked, that they will come to me because they know I can handle it, and they're not gonna try to maybe figure out something that's a little over their heads by themselves or one of one of their dumbass friends. <laughs> let's call my dad, like we'll, we'll sort this out. Um, and so that's been like a big part of my journey is, is, is once I understood that about myself and that I've made, uh, uh, I've done a lot of things that maybe look like mistakes or fuck ups, but I've learned from them. Once I extended that same courtesy to them, everything changed.
1: Yeah. Are you familiar with internal family systems therapy?
0: A little bit. We actually a bit. did a little bit of work around that, but I haven't. I haven't done uh, kind of a deep dive on it.
1: I am just in a place where I'm totally geeking out. So I know that that's the paradigm I'm looking through. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's exactly that, right? Oh,
0: perfect. So I'm. I'm curious to hear about it.
1: Yeah. So the it's funny the guy who created it. The school of thought and the school of therapy um, was a family therapist and did that through systems therapy. Right? What is it about the system that we need to change the relation of so that it functions more eloquently, or that you know there is an open curiosity in the communication that's happening between these different family members? And what he found was that we have those same systems inside us. So, um, I always tell people to watch the Pixar movie inside out. Have you ever seen that movie?
0: I have. And, um, someone else has told me that I need to watch it again because I watched it through a completely different lens. <laughs> I watched it when it came out. So I was like, I don't know, three, four, five years ago. So I was not in a headspace to actually get, I was watching it along with the kids. Like right. with I always... that mindset. I always
1: joke with one of my best friends, who's also a therapist. We're like, there is some therapist on the fucking Pixar team that helps <laughs> create these storylines. Um, but basically, in the movie, right, this you go inside um, this kid. And there's like the angry part and the scared part and the happy part, and they all kind of interact and they have these different chairs that they sit in. And when one's in the controller right? The angry parts in that controller chair, the kids like having a tantrum. So it can be kind of scary when people are like, Hey, you have all these different personalities inside of you and all these different parts. People are like, what do you mean? I'm schizophrenic or I have like (laughs) DID or one of these things, (laughs) but it's basically what you were talking about earlier. There's the self. And then there's all these parts that are layered around the self and instead of you know the part that is curious about psychedelics or the part that is angry about being hurt in this way, um, instead of repressing it, right? Oh, we don't talk about that, or we don't ask that question, or we don't show that. Turning to it and saying, you know, what what is it that you're trying to show me or tell me, or how are you keeping me safe? And a lot of times to kind of externalize that conversation for people. It's exactly what you said. What would you say if your kid came to you and was having, you know, this really hard time digesting their anger? Would you tell them like you're not allowed to do that. You can't be, you know, you can't be angry? Some parents sure. And we can talk about yeah. all that trauma another time.
0: Yeah.
1: But if you're willing to kind of get curious about where it's coming from, you can start to have different conversations with these parts inside of you and know when one is trying to take the driver's seat and say, Hey, like, I know you're scared right now. And you might be scared because of this experience that I had when I was six and everyone made fun of me. And the cool thing is you don't have to handle that. I got this right. 30 year old Lindsay or 40 year old Cal, I got this now you don't have to do it. And so it totally changes that we're not allowed to talk about it or anger is not an okay emotion to feel or express instead getting curious about why is it here and how can I walk with it? How can I invite it to the dinner table and allow it to speak, but not dominate the conversation. Um, And so I love that you're already doing that, man. Like you're crushing it.
0: Well, no. And I, 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 uh, I'm definitely trying to figure that, that piece out in, in, I'm, I'm really open to, you know, again, the way other people are doing it, and I've had some some people in my life that have modeled it. Um, but just to to put it into practice here, it's like anything. Like once you start to see it working, you start to trust in the system more, and it actually be- it becomes much easier to parent because I'm just being curious. And what you're talking about, I believe, is. I'm not not treating the symptom. I'm looking at like, what's the cause and getting curious around the cause so that my kid can connect to what the cause is and not be caught up in whatever the emotion is. I had it with my son the other day, who's got food allergies. He's 19 and he's been, I'd say a little bit more focused on it um, today than he has in the past. He cooks his own food, which I think on one level is awesome. But there's a bit of control that goes along with that. Uh, The other morning I had made some eggs. He's allergic to eggs. I'd made it in the pan that he uses. And he saw it in the sink and he just had, you know, he had some emotion come up for that. And he, he reacted in a way that uh, in retrospect, he wasn't happy about. He was, he was pretty mad. Uh, so I said, look, we can, we can get more pans. We can identify these are the ones you cook with. He's like, dad, I actually, I don't want to do that. I actually, I want to, I want to figure this out. I don't want to feel this way. Mm. Um, and so I feel like, in in my wife, Peyton was definitely a part of this conversation as well. It's like, okay, so the, the root cause is his fear around the food allergies. It's not he's mad in us just dealing with him throwing a temper tantrum, which is something we would have done in the past. And, or we just would have bought another pan. And But we're not getting to the root cause. And so now we have this open dialogue. Okay, so what's the process look like? For you to move through this fear to let go that something really bad's going to happen and it's not a one- step thing but now it's on our radar now we're going to work towards you know uprooting that that fear that he has um, in a way that feels really good for for him in particular but for us as well in a way that we can support him so, Again, just like zooming out a little bit and understanding that the temper tantrum isn't about the temper tantrum. And it's not that he's mad at me for cooking eggs. There's a fear within him that triggered his anger response. Mm. You know, if he's super integrated, he would be like, I'm just really afraid who's going to fucking do that? Right. I don't know if anyone is that integrated to be able to articulate that. I'm just really scared about this. And I, it, but, you know, again, I think Peyton and I having enough awareness that there's something, you know, kind of having um, an impact on him. And one of the things that, that Peyton has has often said, and I think it was from Brian post um, it's, Your kid's not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. Mm. You shift to that and it's not personal. It's not about you. It's actually about them. So can we get to what is creating this tension within them? And when we do that, and again, we open up the space and we're curious. We're not judgmental. No one's getting in trouble. We actually get to do some real work and move through those things.
1: Yeah. Have you read or excuse me, have you watched the newest uh, Gabor mate documentary about, um, oh shoot, what is it called? The Wisdom and Trauma?
0: Someone just sent that to me yesterday. No way. I haven't I haven't watched it. I believe Peyton has. she loves his work so she tries to devour all of it, but anything. Yeah. Is it, is it so good?
1: It's so good. And it has been on, it's so funny that someone sent it to you yesterday because I watched it yesterday and it's been (laughs) something that has been on my mind. Like, Oh yeah, I got to watch this thing. I got to watch it. I got to watch it. And it's so funny, totally tangential. My partner and I have been on a Ted lasso kick. And so
0: good. I'm so bummed. I've already watched it.
1: (laughs) I was so far behind the curve. And so I was so excited to like sit down and watch Ted Lasso last night. My partner's like, can we like watch a documentary? And so me being kind of spiteful, I'm like, you want to watch a documentary? Fine. I'm going to make you watch one about trauma right before we go to bed. And then we both ended up (laughs) just like having the best conversation around this documentary. But one of the things that he has said, he says repeatedly in the documentary, but was also in in Realm of Hungry Ghosts and and a lot of his other work was if we can take, and he's talking in the context of addiction, but we can talk about this with big emotions or anything else like we're discussing now. If we shift our conversation from what is wrong with you to what happened to you, it allows Mm -hmm. us to approach the situation so differently. It allows us to approach it with compassion and curiosity. And instead of pointing a finger, being ready to receive, you know, what really is, what's happening here?
0: Um, that, that's so powerful, too. How many people in our daily lives do we run into and are like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? Like, right. Fuck him, right? <laughs> and I don't want to feel that way. I don't. I, I love just reframing that to like, what, what happened? Right. And then, yeah, you're right. You just become curious and way more compassionate.
1: Totally. And I think it starts a lot with what you were saying before too, that curiosity starts within us first, right? If we can get curious about why am I acting in this way? Right. How many times have you, reacted to something and after the fact I'm like, "Oof, damn." You know, like your son, right? I didn't want to react in that way. I was actually really scared. And yeah. this idea that if if we can start inside, if we can start with the self and we can start to transform the self over time, right? We project that into the world now. And my hope is that that starts to slowly change the collective as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, in in just one thing again like we're, we're trying to get it right one of the things that actually peyton and i both did separately with with our son is when i was talking to him he said i didn't get a chance to apologize to mom yet i said there's nothing to apologize for you can acknowledge that how you react is not how you wanted to but you didn't do anything wrong like you were triggered by something and it was this fear and, and it's okay like, like we just need to give the kids have so much pressure today. Like we, we can't even fathom what it must be like. And so like, we just give them enough space to feel all these emotions, as you said, like not repress them because that repression, it's going to come out later and, and it's going to manifest in ways that it's going to take a lot of work to move through it. So can we just allow them to feel all the things they need to feel and express them, and then get it out on the table and work with it. So I think it's just really important for us to, you know, yes, you know, we, we need to be guides for our kids, but we, we also, you know, I like to look at it as modeling behavior for them and not trying to make them little versions of, of uh, us. They need to be, they're, they're their own souls. They're on their own journey. For us, they just happen to live in our house and we have a responsibility but at the same time, this is their journey. And I really want them to make a lot of their own decisions and just to see what, you know, what happens when they decide A versus B. And they, they, get, to, they get to take ownership over that. And when they do that, there's, there's like an accountability to it versus me telling them what to do. Um, right. You know, we never, we never do a great job. Certainly, you think of it in our adult life and we get advice from people, it's really hard for us to follow it unless it's something we feel deep in our, you know, kind of, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Um, and I think our kids feel pressure to do what we say because we're the boss of them and it's bullshit. And it just creates, you know, it doesn't create a relationship that, that I want to have with my kids and I don't think it creates a relationship that they want to have with me.
1: Yeah. I, it's funny because all I'm thinking in my head is how many just traumatic horror stories I heard from both of my parents, you know, like my father was super abusive or this happened and yet that was conditioning that soul, that human to live up to that expectation, right? And I remember, and I think I was just being an asshole brat of a teenager, but my mom <laughs> kind of saying something like kind of the, I told you so kind of thing. And I remember asking her, did your mom say I told you so? And she's like, yeah. And I go, how'd that work for you? And my mom just kind of stopped. Wow. And I think the conversation ended there. But little Lindsay, I think, like I said, was just being a brat, but was really onto something. If we start to look at it through that lens, why are we doing this thing and perpetuating this trauma over and over and over? And thinking that there's gonna be a different response that comes out of it.
0: Little Lindsay had a lot of wisdom.
1: Little Lindsay, that's that might have been Lindsay's trauma speaking, but (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: okay. (laughs) She, yeah. But I love that. I think it's a great example. Really, we we hear this 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 kind of phrase turn around a lot that, that the kids are our greatest teachers, but truly if we're paying attention. They're teaching us in in all ways. They're they're, they're showing us where there's tension within us. And when that comes up, if we can again get curious, why does that trigger me when my kid does this? What is it about me that's happened in the past that it's bringing up for me that I'm not willing to deal with? And so I love, I I love just like giving, yeah, like giving the space. for them to to be able to do that, and again, not get in trouble for standing up to dad if he's being a dumbass. Like, okay, I can, you know, and and I have, a, a, you know, the egos enough in check where where I will apologize if I've reacted in a way that actually wasn't true. Mm. Um, so I think it's important to, for them to see that as well that it's okay to get it wrong. As long as you acknowledge it and and do your best to get it right the next time.
1: Yeah. And there there is so much, I think we would agree on this. There is way more learning in the shit that we got wrong than all the things we did right.
0: Mm, so true.
1: And I was, do you listen to the Huberman Lab podcast?
0: I mean, I get snippets of it here and there. I mean, he's awesome. I'm a huge fan of his work.
1: He's awesome. There are sometimes I'm listening to him and I'm like, damn, dude, you're so, cause he'll be like, all right, you really got to understand this. And he'll start throwing all of the ways that neurocircuitry in the brain works, like super simple concept. And he gets done explaining something. And I'm like, what? Like <laughs> <after> <laughs> rewind and listen to it much more slowly. I'm like, I still don't really get it, but I'm going to try to understand it as best I can. Um, he was explaining that we are in one of our most optimal states of growth and self and understanding when things are hard enough for us to fail at them 15% of the time. So if you're mm. failing more than that, the task that's in front of you might be a little bit too hard and it's actually going to perpetuate frustration and you know negative self-talk and kind of embrace this inner critic but we also don't want something to be so easy that we completely disengage and and just can go along and do it. And so when we have that 15% of like, Ooh, like this still kind of stumps me sometimes, or I have to get innovative and do this a different way and see this different perspective. And I thought that was so interesting because so often we think if we're failing at something it must not be for us, or we're doing it wrong, or we might as well move on to the next thing. Um, And so that reframe of like, nope, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I'm right. I'm I'm failing just enough to be optimal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think the important thing for people to understand is don't, 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 don't focus on the 15% because you're like, I don't know if it's 15%. It's like, is there enough friction in there where you're not just breezing through? right? But as you said, not so much that you're just stuck. And then all that other shit, unfortunately, usually follows with it with the negative self-talk and the judgment. But there's like just enough where, and I love that, that you have to get innovative and you have to get creative and look at it a different way. And it just, it gets the neurons firing. That's where the growth comes. Yeah. I love that.
1: Absolutely. How do you as a parent, handle when your kid is perceiving something that they've done as a failure? Because I'm i so far from a parent, but I would imagine that that would be such a difficult thing to watch, even though it's important that they wrestle with that experience, to watch it happen and not want to totally take over and and kind of shield them from having to experience it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's di- obviously different for each of the three kids, but for, for me, it, it's, you know, whether it's school related or my oldest is, you know, he works now. And so there's some, you know, there was something where um, he was really frustrated because his 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 boss wanted him to fix his computer. And he's not a computer guy, but he he almost like, he didn't want to let on that he didn't really know how to do it. Mm. And so, so he was projecting frustration at having to do this, you know, towards the boss. He kept it, you know, between, between him and I, and hopefully if he, if his boss listens to this, and understands <laughs> that uh, maybe I shouldn't have talked, you know, I should have spoken a little more vaguely about it, but, you know, I, I tried to reframe it for him be like, and I didn't quite get it right. You know what I, I think in, in retrospect, just like, showing him in a way like, Hey, you're not a computer guy. So, you know, what I did try to do is say, look, go to him and say, look, I don't really know about this stuff, but I'm, I'm willing to figure it out, but I, j- I can't guarantee that I can fix it. Like just like show that he doesn't really know. And that was, that was a bridge too far for him. He didn't want to show that it was early on while I was working there and you know, he just he wanted to be able to do it all. And it's so, you know, it's it's just like taking some of the air out of it. Like my kid, you know, she had a, a surprise quiz yesterday in World Geography. She thought it was today. Like, how'd you do? She goes, No, I no, no, I didn't do very well. She wasn't like super bomb, but I'm like trying to say in the best way possible, this fucking doesn't matter at all. You know, it's like, okay, like it's one quiz. Like it's all good. What can you, is there a reason why you didn't know it was yesterday? Was it on your, like just trying to help her sort out. So maybe it doesn't happen again, but just like trying to give them perspective. None of this is a big deal. Whatever it is, it's not a big deal. In, in your life, in the present moment, it feels like a huge deal. I'm not telling you, you know, you shouldn't care about it, but just trying to, like, take some of the weight off. And, and, and again, not, not to tell them, don't worry about this, because that, that doesn't resonate either. Right. Like, they're worrying about it. So it's important, I believe, to validate their feelings And then, you know, again, you validate what happens. Then you start to build trust. Like, okay, dad really sees me here. He sees that this is fucking hard for me. Then once you kind of, you you know, make that connection, it's like, okay, like, then we can kind of change the conversation a little bit. But you come in with like, oh, it's not a big deal. And, you know, don't worry about it. Well, they are worrying about it. So like, there's there's like a process to get to the point where, they start to feel, they start to let it go.
1: Right. We can't deny that experience that they're having by telling them like, right, right from the get-go, it's not a big deal. I immediately thought of like how terrified I used to be by when we would have spelling tests, if I would like miss a word spelling, right? Like it was the end of the world for me. And in second grade, that that is the end of my world. That's the world as I know it. So yes. it completely makes it's, you know, Call it trauma or or experience, it's all in the eye of the beholder and how they're experiencing that. So, I know we've been talking a lot about kids, which is so funny because it was not what was planned. It's not what I don't even have kids, but I'm loving the conversation. Um, I'm curious for other listeners that don't have kids, how we kind of take these same experiences and model them in our community, in our friend groups and the people that we keep closest. Um, because I think it's so easy for us to cultivate compassion for a child. And we find it so much harder when you're looking at somebody who's your same age or your peer. And and the same thing you were saying earlier, when you're like, what the fuck, man, like, why don't you get this? Right. So how have you seen these same sorts of lessons kind of open up to your greater community?
0: you know, I, I love to go back on the framework that Gabor has and not, not what's wrong with this person, but, um, you know, what happened to them. And so uh, clearly I don't do, I don't use that framework right now. I'm, I'm going to play with it going (laughs) forward. But I, I, I think the basis of that is, is curiosity. And, um, and it's not that like, Some of my buddies don't trigger me with some of the things they say or do. But if I just can take a a beat and take a breath and, and realize, like, I love this guy. I know this guy. This is bringing up something for him. And he's showing up this way. What happened? Like, what's going on with him? Um it's giving people the space. Like it, yeah, it, it's, and it's hard at times. Cause we do, we get triggered, we get triggered by our, our partners. Right. I mean, that sometimes they're the most triggering cause they just know us so well, but it's like, you know, what do I, you know, really, what do I want out of this relationship? Do, do I want to have this, you know, friction filled experience or, do I want to work to kind of pull back the layers and get to, you know, what's at the bottom of this and then hold space for their process and what can I learn, you know, within that. But I think it's, you know, if, I would say if you're, if you're (laughs) constantly surrounded by people that are triggering you, then it might be time to find a a new group of friends. Um, But within those triggers, there's a lot of learning. And just like with the kids, like, what is it about this person that's triggering you? Mm. Um, and get curious about yourself. You know, again, I, my kids, you know, do that uh, a fair amount. Not nearly as much as they may be used to, but I also wasn't that curious. You know, a few years ago, and so it, it, there's there's a bit of work involved, but it's all for your benefit to to get clearer on those. You know, those things that are um, kind of in your blind spot.
1: Right. You
0: know, just, you know, I love Peter Crone talks about, you know, people will present you with circumstances that show you where you're not free. Mm. And, you know, you could be scrolling on Instagram and that same person triggers you every time you see their post. What is it? what is it about that that is triggering you um and that's really it's not about them they may have their own shit going on but there's something within you that needs to be resolved or worked with or brought to the surface and so i you know i think that's those are those are really our opportunities to learn learn about ourselves
1: yeah the the stories we tell ourselves have such a grasp on us, especially until we get curious. I had my best friend in the whole world, lover to death, late for everything. Oh, and we're not talking like two, three, five minutes late, like 30 minutes. Right. And it would always frustrate me to the nth degree. Cause I'm like, you're supposed to love me and respect me. And this is like my thing and you're not showing up for it. Right. And so my, and, and totally disregarding the fact like, no, she's actually late for anything and everything in her life, not just me, my shit. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so the
1: minute I took what her actions meant about me, right. Am I not worth showing up on time for, am I you know, like I said earlier, you disrespect me. And when I could look at that and be like, Ooh, like this has nothing to do with her tardiness. This is all my own shit about what I think my self-worth, like where that lies with people. Uh, and I don't want to undersell how difficult this, this transition is that you and I are talking true, right? about because it's, More often than not, you've probably been living 90% of your life in these stories. And so to Mm -hmm. start questioning them is a really scary process. So, if people are listening to this and they're like, oof, like I, I, I do find myself triggered by that same person on Instagram, or my friend is always late, how did you start wrestling with this kind of new sense of self or new sense of identity when you started stripping the stories?
0: Yeah. And it's it's, it's it's a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, part of it is, again, reading books and listening to podcasts and, and understanding, A, that it's a thing, right? These stories and our attachment to these stories, which are wrapped up in our identity. And it's, it's like this whole thing. It's like, as I started to to peel back the layers and started stopped projecting all my shit on everybody else and started to understand that I actually was giving my power away by doing that, by being triggered. It's like, Oh, that's an interesting concept. So I get to control how, you know, I have, I have agency over how I react and how I process something. Okay. That's interesting. So maybe I shouldn't just, you know uh react without considering what else is going on and i think it's just like slowing shit down for me and um knowing that again like not having to a be right um just really it all comes back to curiosity and um as you mentioned it's a it's a challenging process because you start to let go of these things that you have been attached to that have in some ways kept you safe um, from from a lot of this other stuff because it's it's all about everybody else uh, and when we start to you know shine the light on ourselves it's hard at first because you feel like I'm a fucking loser. Like, look at me. But that's not it. It's not the truth. It's like you're you're finally aware. So now having that awareness allows you to work through those things. And so it is kind of a bigger process. But it's you have to be willing to go there. Um, and you, you just you know, like having awareness is the first step. If you don't know, you can't fix shit. You can't work with anything. So just being really honest with yourself and being really kind to yourself and be really forgiving. You're doing the best you could. You just didn't know that this was a thing. So now you get to work with that and take your time. Don't try to get to the end of it because you won't. Just be on the journey of questioning all these things and seeing what comes up.
1: Oof. Mic drop. (laughs) 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 so this is um this will be my last question because I want to be mindful of time and it's completely off topic from anything we've talked about so far but perfect I'm looking at you now and when I watch all of the snippets from the great unlearn on Instagram or, or any of those things, I always see this like beautiful library that you're sitting in <laughs> and all the books behind you and all the books behind your guest. and it's so funny because I like scour them and I'm like, oh, I've read that one or I've seen that one or you yeah, know that one's on my shelf. What is either a and you choose what feels best? the one that you read most recently, or B, if you had to connect with one of the books on those shelves as one of your favorite go-tos, what would it be?
0: Yeah, I'll go with with the latter um, because I haven't been reading much lately, but there's a book that uh, I've given out over 200 copies of this book. And I talk about it all the time on my podcast. I talk about it when I go on other people's podcasts because (laughs) it's really... It's really an amazing book. It's called The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life by Boyd Vardy. And it's for anybody. Anybody on the journey, anybody who hasn't started the journey, anyone who just wants to have a sense that um, that they're on a path. And it really comes back to to learning about yourself in a way that is such a beautiful story about In my friend Boyd, who is a lion tracker by you know trade, he does a lot of you know coaching and and other things as well. But uh, this beautiful journey of him and two of his uh tracker friends tracking a lion this one particular day and weaved throughout this really cool story or just all this wisdom. Um, and it's it's really when I give it out, people end up giving it out to their friends because it's 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 such a great resource, and it's very readable. It's like hundred and ten pages. Um, there's there's just great. Like you flip open and can read you know a few pages and just get nuggets. So I highly recommend that for anybody listening. The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life by Boyd Vardy.
1: Hell yeah! I think we all have that book. Mine is Daring Greatly by Brené Brown. I think I I should open a damn bookstore with how many times I have gifted that book. Um, And so it makes me so happy that I'm not the only one that buys hundreds of copies of the same book. So I'm going to give them all out. So if today's conversation inspired whoever is listening to get curious about the journey, start looking inward, start taking, you know, the next step, I love that resource, pick up the lion trackers guide. What is it, guide to, to
0: life? To life. Yeah, you oh, it. man, I
1: was so close. Um, I all of a sudden went to like, uh, what was that Beatles movie around the universe? Guide to the, I don't know. Anyway, that's my brain doing its <laughs> thing now. Um, <laughs> Cal, thank you so much. If people want to get connected, listen to your show, do all the things, where do they find you?
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, Instagram, cal.callahan.com. My websites thegreatunlearned.com and the podcast the Great Unlearn anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. So
1: hell yeah. I will also link all of that in the show notes. Cal, thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Lindsay. It's great to see you.